Episode 122 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks, offering a month of unrestricted use, totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. See, I believe money makes good people better and bad people worse. Money is a multiplier. It's an amplifier. It's a megaphone. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We discuss leadership and also topics like personal development, productivity, career, business, marketing, and entrepreneurship. And today, you and I get to sit down with the leadership editor of Success Magazine, John Addison, who is also the author of Real Leadership, Nine Simple Practices for Leading and Living with Purpose. I'll ask John about things like what to do if you struggle with setting goals, why focusing on improving your weaknesses is a waste of time, what John believes is the single greatest leadership trait you can possess, and much, much more. If you're like most listeners to this podcast, you either have or hope to one day have a side business. I started my first side business back in 2009, and I had to go back and look at my records and and confirm that I indeed started using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, our sponsor, all the way back in late 2009 to uh, invoice for voiceover work that I was was doing at the time. I later started a business where I developed mobile apps and websites. I used FreshBooks for that. I continue to use FreshBooks cloud accounting software to this day, and I'm thrilled that they're also fans of Read to Lead. In case you're new to FreshBooks, it all starts with invoicing, but FreshBooks has so many more features to help you stay organized and streamline the business side of what you do. For example, I have my debit card for my business tied to FreshBooks. So every time I use it for business expenses, those expenses automatically get imported into FreshBooks. And with the FreshBooks mobile app, you can take pictures of your receipts and FreshBooks organizes them for later. And it can even create expense reports for you and also makes claiming expenses at tax time a complete and total breeze. There's there's cash flow tracking. There's time tracking too, if you need that. The most important thing for you to know is that getting started on FreshBooks is extremely easy easy, even if you're not a numbers person, and especially if you're not a numbers person. FreshBooks is offering a free month of unrestricted use right now, completely free, and you don't even need a credit card for this trial. So to claim your free month, here's what you do. Go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. That's all one word, read to lead. Freshbooks.com slash read to lead right now to take advantage of this month-long free trial just for you as a listener to this show. That's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. John Addison is the former co-CEO of Primerica, the largest independent financial services marketing organization in North America. He currently serves as CEO of Addison Leadership Group, as well as the leadership editor of Success Magazine. 
As a renowned world-class speaker, John has motivated millions with his insight and wisdom on leadership, personal development, and achieving success in both their careers and personal lives. John's new book is Real Leadership, Nine Simple Practices for Leading and Living with Purpose, and I'm excited to have him here today. John, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Hey, thanks, Jeff. It's wonderful to be with you today. Well, I have been subscribing to uh, Success Magazine for about three years. It, it quickly became one of my favorites. In fact, if I had to choose among all my subscriptions, just one and get rid of the others, Success would certainly be the one uh, hey. that I would keep. How, how recent is your appointment uh, to Leadership Editor? I just It started back at the begin, um, end, of, end of the year. Uh, I've been very dear friends with Stuart Johnson, who is the owner of Success Magazine for... for going on 20 years now. We've been wonderful friends. And so as I went through, uh, you know, the, I was running Primerica during that time, uh, but been very dear friends. And so we talked about, you know, for years that when I was through running the company that we would get involved together. And um, so just recently became uh, leadership editor. Well, I'm excited to see uh, what happens going forward with your role there. Well, in chapter one of the new book, uh, John says that while having goals and dreams is important, deciding what kind of person you are uh, is more so. Uh, uh, John, I really identified with this as I thought back to my own experiences as a young man and wondering if you can share some of your experiences during that time. Uh, You know, a man who struggled with goals and dreams, a man whose tendency was to just jump in the water and start swimming. You know, yeah, that's that's true. My, you know, last name Addison starts with ADD. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a textbook character there. Um, we're all wired different. We're all, you know, DNA, you know, actually, you know, has a lot of determining on how we're wired and how we are. And, you know, I've got friends when I was a kid in school, you know, you're, there, there were the kids that, you know, their, you know, your desk where you kept the books down under it was so neatly stacked and wonderful. <laughs> Mine was a jumble of papers, you know, coming out and stuff. Um, you know, no one that deals with me would go. John's number one skill is organization, and to everything, there's a place and a place to everything. That's not how I'm wired. Mm. My view is you got to get up every day and get better. I mean, it's great to plan where you want to be 20 years from now, but it's probably more important to think about what you're going to be doing 20 minutes from now. And But as a child, I had a wonderful childhood. My parents were incredibly good, strong people, and they programmed a lot of um, uh, core into me that was – you know, that look, you know, you can go achieve all the success and all the money in the world, but, you know, you can lose your soul in the process or you can lose your core in the process. And it's very important to decide who you are. What do you want to be like? See, I believe money makes good people better and bad people worse. Okay. Money is a multiplier. It's an amplifier. It's a megaphone through which your core goes. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to decide who you are and what kind of person you want to be early in your life, not sit around and go, okay, one of these days when I have money, I'll decide what I'm going to do. (laughs) uh, Having a core is an important thing. Mm. Uh, Culture within a company goes a long way 
to determining its success, obviously. Talk about your experiences in that regard, John, and, and what you learned being a part of companies that viewed themselves as working for their employees and, and not the other way around. I was just interviewing with somebody a little bit ago, and they asked me, describe in one word, how I thought my life had been. I I said, blessed. You know, I got out of the University of Georgia in 1979. In 1982, I was going to start working on my MBA at Georgia State University at night. Had Ann and I had just gotten married, and I wanted a job close to my apartment. I mean, that was my noble goal in life was to have a job close to my apartment so it made it easy to go downtown to Georgia State at night and work on my MBA. And I answered an ad in the Atlanta paper and went to work for a company, which at that time was called A.L. Williams, founded by a gentleman named Art Williams, who was a high school football coach from Georgia. And he ran the company like a coach. And he genuinely, one of his books he wrote years and years ago was called Pushing Up People. It was about investing in your people and making your people better. And I didn't realize that I was answered an ad and it was close to my apartment and went to work there for 19000 a year. But what I went to work for was a great environment, an incubator, where it took your skills as a leader and it magnified and it grew them. Mm. And it was about the team, not the individual. And um, I just thought it was normal. I mean, I answered an ad and went to work for the company. I mean, you know, I just thought it was normal. And then the further I went in life and then as I, in the 90s, became president of the company and we were then owned by what, you know, by Citigroup, by a New York-based company. And I was, you know, in the middle of so many things during that time. And then in the 2000s, trying to save the company when the financial crisis collapsed on our head from up above. I mean, our business was fine and strong. I really, through that walk, began to understand just how different the environment was and how different the culture was. That what I thought was normal, because it's the company I went to work for, um, how different and unique it was. Uh, so I've been a very blessed man. And I think, uh, you know, I, I genuinely believe, and I talk about in the book Real Leadership, that I think the most important job of a leader is to create the environment, create the culture. You know, you've got to, you know, you listen to the politicians and they talk about how they're going to grow this or they're going to grow that. The reality is a leader doesn't grow anything. <laughs> you know, during, um, you know, uh, the time as co-CEO of Primerica, we grew sales predominantly in insurance and investments a lot. It, the company grew a great deal during our time, but I didn't make one sale. Okay, I never sold an insurance policy or I didn't sell a one of the mutual. I didn't, I didn't do that. I created an environment where people can flourish, thrive, prosper, and grow. That's the job of the leader. Politicians are quick to say, I, when things go well, and even quicker to say, they, when things don't go well. I believe real leaders do just the opposite. It's you, team, we, when things go great, and when you make bad decisions and things go bad, you got to take the blame. It's I. I. I think it is incredibly important for a leader to consistently focus 
on the environment they're creating and make sure that that's a healthy, flourishing environment. When it comes to focusing on yourself, I like what you had to say in regard to um, focusing on your strengths and not wasting time trying to improve areas of weakness. Why do you feel so strongly about that? I believe in life you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. <laughs> we're, all, we're all human becomings, not human beings. We're becoming something. You don't stay the same. You're either getting better or worse mm. each day. And one of the things I learned is that, you know, saying we need to, we're all equal under the law if things are applied appropriately, but we're not, we're not the same. You're different than me. I guarantee you, you're, you've got strengths and weaknesses. I know I've got, my wife could do a laundry list of my weaknesses (laughs) that, that we're all different and we're wired different and we have different skills. And I told, I spoke recently to the uh, University of Georgia Leadership Institute, to the kids that are in business school, and, I, and my talk was find what you're good at without trying. Mm. And then try like crazy at that. <laughs> I mean, that the best you'll ever be at a weakness is mediocre. Somebody is naturally good at what you're weak at. And then I guarantee you for each of us, we have things we're naturally good at, that we're good at without trying. Look, I would love to be able to sing, okay? I guarantee you I could go to whatever operatic institute in uh, Milan, Italy for (laughs) months, and I would still sound horrible, okay? (laughs) The reality is that you need to find what your strengths are, what are you good at, what are you naturally good at, and then go work like crazy on that, try like crazy, and then you got a chance to be great at that. You know, so much of your, you know, when you read personal development stuff, which I am a huge believer in personal development, mm. that, you know, so much of what people allow to get pumped in their brain is garbage on a daily basis, um, that, you know, working on your mind, working on your brain, working on your thinking, working on your skills is incredibly important, but so much of it is focused on how to get better at this, how to, you know, I, I when I was back before smartphones, iPads, all of those kind of things, when I was young in my business career, I went, you know, I'm, I'm a great communicator. I can talk to people. I got to do all that, but I got to get more organized. Okay. So I went to a Franklin Covey seminar that had the Franklin day planners where you move things forward and start things and get, you know, this whole system. <laughs> And so then I went through this thing, had this box full of stuff that I brought back to my office and never used. Okay. (laughs) What I learned was that as I advanced in my career, um, you know, Dana, that's my executive assistant, has been with me 20 plus years. She's my radar O'Reilly. She knows where I'm supposed to That you got to surround yourself with people whose strengths, you know, match up to your weaknesses. Mm. And free yourself up to focus on what you're good at and then go work like crazy at that and get better at it. So that's what I've learned through my life's walk. 
So focusing on your strengths, focusing on the things that you can control. The word focus uh, comes up again and again in this conversation. Uh, John, what, what can the analogy of a boat's rudder teach us about focus? It's incredibly important. Most people have the focus in life of an octopus on roller skates, which is a horror of activity with no direction. The truth is, and by the way, things, you know, with all of the improvements of technology and information, which gives you the ability to multiply Mm. what you do, it also gives you the ability to be a mile wide and an inch deep. I mean, you know, most people spend their time on the computer, on the internet, doodling. Okay, you know, messing around with things or whatever, uh, you got to have depth to you've got you've got to be focused. A leader has got to be focused. You gotta you gotta step back and go. What is the main thing? What do I have to get done? What is the most important thing to focus on right now? Because the further up you go in an organization. People will schedule your life. You'll have meeting after meeting after meeting on things that don't matter. When in truth, you got to be focused on what the main thing is that's going to move the organization, and you've got to focus on what you have to get done. Um, I'm a member of the uh, Winston Churchill Society, and I'm a huge, hmm. uh, huge Churchillian. You know, if you looked at my office right now, there's Churchill quotes and things all over the place. And um, back a year ago, I was, or two years ago, I was in the cabinet war rooms where in London, where he ran World War II from, down in the basement of, you know, kind of the governmental buildings there. And they've got a beautiful museum there. But if you go into the room where he had his cabinet meetings then, and you look on his desk, he didn't have an inbox. He had a box that said, action this day. Mm. Okay. And what got into there were things he knew he had to get done that day. Okay. Mm. I think, I think focus, people are attracted to their distractions. And I think focus is one of the most important uh, things a leader or just any person you got to develop the world we're in now. You can you can waste your day thinking you're doing something productive, hmm. and you got to get focused on what's actually going to move your life forward. Hmm. Well, in keeping with the analogies, most leaders, John says, are are weather vanes. Uh, whichever way the wind blows, that's the way they point. So, so John, that begs the question: What if you want to achieve greatness as a leader? What do you need to strive to be? What's the, what's the analogy there? My, you've, you've got to be a lighthouse. I, um, uh, I have a, you know, and I talk about in speeches, and I, I probably heard it from someone else somewhere. One of the things I guess, you know, you're, the older you get, your great sayings are probably something you heard someone else say. <laughs> but I have in a talk, I talk about, you know, you've got to be a lighthouse, not a weather vane. Great leaders are lighthouses. You know, lighthouses on a beautiful sunny day are just, you know, something people stand in front of and get pictures made. <laughs> When lighthouses are needed or when it's stormy and it's foggy and the wind's blowing and ships are trying to get to a safe harbor, so much of the people that we have, and it's not just political, it's corporate. I mean, 
Um, you know, so many leaders, it's just, you know, whichever way the wind's blowing, what's the latest poll say that I should be saying? Mm. Okay, this word works. Okay, so I say it over and over again because the poll says this. Great leaders sometimes have to take unpopular positions if they know they're right and they know the direction things uh, need to go. I mean, back to my, you know, I don't want this to be a, you know, Winston Churchill lecture, but, you know, in the 1930s, his positions were incredibly unpopular as he was ranting against the Nazification of Germany. And the people that were in power in England at that time, you know, all middle-aged men, were all young men during World War One and fought in World War One. And in truth, you know, the amount of death that occurred in Europe during World War One was, you know, gargantuan. It was the war to end all wars, and of course, it didn't end wars. But um, no one wanted to hear we had to deal with Germany again. And so, you know, he was called a warmonger, a, you know, I mean, as he, you know, went on and on. Well, you know, as it turns out, he was right. Mm. And he wound up at age 65 walking with destiny as prime minister of England to save the world from Nazification. Mm. The reality is, you know, if all you ever do is go, well, this is what everybody wants to hear. That's what I need to say. That's not leadership. Leadership is the ability to understand where an organization, where a country, where a business, where whatever needs to go and to use the power of communication and persuasion to get people to go to the right place. Sometimes what's right may not be what's convenient. (laughs) And great leaders, real leaders, are lighthouses. They're not weather vanes. Mm. So uh, there are some unpopular decisions that have to be made from time to time, as you said, but contrast that with what you say, John, is one of the greatest abilities of leadership, and that's likability. Absolutely. One of the things people have to understand is that success leadership is full of contradictions. Mm. There's not like just, I wish, you know, it was like A plus B plus C equals D and you just, and, and, you know, it all worked. You know, you got to be able to manage the contradictions of things. You need to be firm, but be flexible. Mm. You need to be bold, but you need to be humble. You need to be aggressive, but you need to be cautious. I mean, you, you know, you got to manage those things in life. And I believe one of the greatest abilities is likability. Because if people know that you genuinely at heart have the best interest of the organization, not just yourself, but the organization in your heart, they like you. You know, they don't think, God, what a jerk. You know, I mean, you know, so many people get to the top by stepping on so many heads that when they get on the pedestal, everybody's trying to tear them down. And I always wanted to have cheerleaders. Okay. I wanted to have people pulling for me, trying to help me succeed. I learned a lot of that from my mom and dad. My mom was one of the most likable people you would ever, everybody loved. You know, her name was Ruth Addison. Everybody called her Miss Ruth. Everybody loved her. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and when when people are pulling for you, it makes life it makes it a lot easier to do things than if everybody's going. God, what a jerk! <laughs> I can't stand that person. Okay, so to me, you know, now that that doesn't mean you know that at all times you're going to make every you're not going to make everybody happy. People are going to get upset. You know that comes with the turf. But if at the end of the day they may go, you know, I disagree with Jeff, but he's a good guy. That buys you a lot of wiggle room as you're trying to deal with all the contradictions and challenges of being a leader. Well, John, um, I want to ask you uh, uh, some questions not directly related to the book. But before I do that, uh, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure that we know about? You know, the, the thing I would say to people is, you know, my, uh, my goal now is that I, through the walk that I went through, being a kid from nowhere, that I wasn't born on third and thought I hit a triple. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I had to, you know, I had to, you know, get through life. And I learned so much from, I was in the middle of so many things as I look back at the career now there. I I walked through so many things from the boom of the 1980s to trying to save a company during the height of the financial collapse. And my goal is to try to communicate in the style that I think I've developed pretty uniquely is that leadership is scarce, unfortunately. And leadership is one of the most important resources in the world, okay? That we need more leaders. The future needs leaders. I you know, I really want to get my message to young people. And I'm not saying go out and be like me. Okay, I believe you got to take the best, leave the rest. There's so many people with so many different views. So I'm not saying, okay, here's my book, copy it, and you're going to be great. But I, well, you've, everybody has to develop their own style, their own leadership style, their own unique way of doing things. But I just hope that these principles can, you know, in, the, in an age where everything changes so rapidly, that I don't believe true core principles of leadership do. And I want to make sure that I try to pass these on and get them to as many people as I can. Well, obviously, we're a big fan of, of reading uh, business and personal development books here at Read to Lead. And I was wondering if you could name for us a couple that have had a big impact on you, John. What are the, the two or three that, that you go back to oftentimes again and again? Probably by a million miles. My favorite um, personal development author is Norman Vincent Peale Mm. and uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. Peaceful Mind Generates Power. My mom used to read Guidepost, which was his publication every week. And so I would read it. I love Norman Vincent Peale, you know, a gentleman who's been deceased now a number of years, but was a great television star, but also personal development was Art Linkletter who wrote amazing books. If you go look at those old books on how to be a more likable person, how to develop people power where you can influence other people. And then I, beyond that, I read a lot of history. 
I'm a, I'm a history buff, whether it's Winston Churchill, whether it's Abraham Lincoln. There's a book that came out a few years ago. I just finished it about six months ago, and I, I don't even have the title in front of me right now, but it's very easy to find. It's a book that was written, and it was the correspondence between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams oh, yeah. in the late years of their life, you know, both they both died on, you know, July 4th, 50 years to the day after the mm-hmm. signing of the Declaration of Independence. You know, they were brothers in getting America free, and then they became political adversaries. In fact, Jefferson defeated Adams for the presidency after Adams' first term, and they hated each other for a number <laughs> of years. Then as they became old men, they started a correspondence with one another, which is just unbelievable to read just their brilliance their thoughts so much of it we should give to every politician that's running around running their mouth right now (laughs) about what it is to really be a patriot and a leader so those are the kind of things jeff that i enjoy the most it's funny you say that because if you look at my bookshelves it's personal development books primarily and American history books almost exclusively. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and then I'm an Anglophile also, so I have a lot of, you know, the Churchillian and the British history and stuff. Uh, and uh, I believe, look, there are no new thoughts usually. I mean, you know, <laughs> the more you study people who stood in a time when things were tough and made things better and prevailed, you can learn a lot there. So I, uh, I, I would commend that to anyone. I know it's been a huge influence on my life. Well, I know uh, you were impacted fairly profoundly back when you first heard A.L. Williams uh, speak for the first time. He really just, just captured your attention. And I know you've worked hard over the years since to be a, a really impactful uh, public speaker. And I'd be curious to know if you'd be willing to share some tips for uh, delivering an impactful and memorable public talk. Well, what are the things that you think about when you set out to get in front of an audience? Uh, that's that's a very good question, and you don't you know usually get asked that on these <laughs> uh, these kind of interviews or whatever. And yeah, Art Williams was an amazing impact on me at a personal level. But a lot of people can give a flowery speech, but at the end of it, it's like within a few hours, it's like a Chinese meal. You go, I'm hungry again. What did I hear? <laughs> you know, it just is a bunch of words, and it sounds great or whatever. Great communicators speak to you, not at you. Mm. And they speak to your soul and they speak to your heart and they have an ability to influence you. You know, I've always been able to get in front of a group of people and speak and not be like mortified and nervous or whatever, which I realize is a gift. Mm. I mean, it's like some people can sing, some people, but I know you've heard speakers who they get in front of a room and it's almost like They don't understand where the people in the room are mentally, what they're hungry for, what, where they are in life. And they give a nice talk, but it seems to have no connection. Great leaders and communicators know where the people are. Great communicators know what needs to be said when, whether that was Abraham Lincoln or Churchill or whatever, they know 
where the minds and hearts of people are. So anytime I'm speaking for a company now, you know, I always spoke for the company I ran. Now that I'm speaking for others, one of the most important things I always want to do is a month or so before I'm going to speak to get, whether it's the CEO, head of sales, whoever it is on the phone, And I don't want to just know, okay, you know, what time am I speaking? Where's the location? All that kind of thing. I want to say, you know, where are your people? What issues are you facing at this meeting? What, you know, what, what business challenges, what challenges of the organization? Where are the people's heads and hearts right now? Because great communicators want their speech to minister to people. Okay, so, uh, you know, I would just say the most important thing to think about or to know is to know your audience and to know what is the message they need to hear to move them forward. Well, John, I'll wrap up by asking uh, what's next on the horizon for you. I know the book is is just (laughs) coming out, but what are you and your team working on uh, next that you're excited about? You know, I'm uh, literally... Uh, you know, back to my, you know, what do you do the next 20 minutes for the next, uh, you know, for the next month, I am on the road. I'm everywhere promoting the book, talking about the book, getting interviewed, speaking, doing all of those things, you know, working as leadership editor of success. I'm very excited about the monthly column that I'm doing now. And Stuart and I are going to be talking sometime in the next few months, talking about how, you know, what direction do we want to go with leadership within success? going to begin working on another book here very soon. I would like to, as long as uh, people want to hear what I have to say and Stuart and them are willing to work with me and stuff, I'd like to try to knock out a book a year on different topics. One of the ones I want to do is to turn your fears into fuel. I mean, I was a kid that grew up not expected to go become a CEO or anything like that. And I believe so many people allow their fears fears and insecurities to hold them in place in life that uh, in truth people that accomplish things turn those fears into what drives them you know I've told people before I'm more motivated by the fear of failure than I am the desire of success Uh, so I want to continue to work on books uh, and influence people I want to try to use the communication skills God gave me and that I've worked on to be a voice and to be a, sometimes a kind of a cry in the wilderness for developing real leaders that can move this country forward instead of dividing people, unite people, and move forward. So, Jeff, that's my goal. Well, you didn't say you were, but if you're looking for suggestions on uh, ideas for the leadership column, let me suggest doing a column on your favorite leadership-focused podcasts. (laughs) Sounds great, Jeff. Sounds great. I've really enjoyed talking with you today, and I wish you luck with what you're doing, because too often I think all the communication tools and internet we have just turns into a big, you know, garbage you know, I, I told people before that in a lot of ways, the Internet is the bathroom wall of the 21st century. <laughs> uh, uh, and people just get garbage into their mm. brain. And people out there with a positive message, a positive focus, uh, that's incredibly important. So God bless you. and Keep doing great work, buddy. Well, thank you again for your book, and I highly recommend it. Real Leadership, Nine Simple Practices for Leading and Living with Purpose. John, thank you so much. 
Thank you, buddy. We'll see you soon. For more on John, Success Magazine, his new book, and the other links and resources we talked about today, check out the show notes page created especially for this episode, readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash 122 for episode 122. I'll include their links to connect with John on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. If you're looking for the perfect software accounting solution, look no further than our sponsor, FreshBooks. I've been using them for seven years. I highly recommend you give them a try. And in fact, you can do that right now. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted month of use, totally free, and you don't have to have a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Be sure and keep those ratings and reviews coming. If you like what we're doing, we would love to hear from you. Go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes to leave a rating and review there or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Oh, 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 oh,